Welcome back, guys, to your favorite podcast, favorite sports podcast as well. Clocks on the stove. Your usual host, myself, Grayson Fisher, with me, Mr. Zach Watts, holding down in South Florida. Um, with us, someone we've been trying to get on for a while. I'm going to tr- – correct me if I'm wrong, but played at University of Chicago, then played at UPenn, and now works in the Rays front office or, like, in the Rays organization. Correct? That is correct, yeah. Yeah, Mr. Sam Bennett. Sam, thanks for coming and joining us, man. Dude, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm glad we got this uh, lined up here, and yeah, I'm pumped to talk some baseball. Dude, what a big week for the Sam Bennett brand, bro. Like, kill- <laughs> Sam Bennett's are killing it this week, dude. Dude, I the amount of text that I got, and like, I I'm not a big golf guy at all. Yeah, I'm but not the amount of text I I had to I had to go and and watch what what this kid was doing at the Masters. He played really well. Um, I think he was a low amateur actually. Yeah, he uh, dude, did you see he won like $216,000 in earnings and he can't touch it because he's an amateur? I did not see that. That's pretty can't cool. can't touch it, bro. That's that's not cool at all. That sucks. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but yeah, well, no, that, that that does suck. But I did see that right after um, he won the Masters, he's going back to A&M and he has, he's playing like 36 holes or he already played 36 yeah, holes. Yeah, he I heard that his walk like, the whole course. No way. Yeah, he <sighs> Yeah, something. I heard like that. that his nil deals like just skyrocketed after. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you also look at another college kid who withdrew from the Masters. Not only was able to play in the Masters, played the first day, withdrew so he could pitch for TCU on Friday. Wait, what? Who's this? His name is. Oh, I'll pull up his name. Uh, I just how, have how long ago was this? I saw that. No I mean, this way. Was, this was Friday night of the Masters. He literally oh, this picked, was this year? Yeah, this was this no year. No way. I didn't hear about this. Yeah, no. He Because TC posted about it. He would – yeah, Will Zalatoris, um, he actually went to Wake first, then left to go to TCU, was pitching there, was doing so good in golf that he was like, I'm just going to go, you know, play on the Masters, like play on the tour. And then didn't have, like, a great first round, but you're at the Masters, so who cares? Like, And then just withdrew yeah. and was like, yeah, I'm going to go pitch a Division One baseball game the next day, like just flew back to TCU to pitch at home. So, I mean, shout out to that guy. Probably won't get the recognition. Yeah. I I mean, it's hard enough just to play, play baseball and I hope, golf. I hope you got some butt out of that dude. Cause that's, that's, that's hard. I mean, TCU is nice man. too, right? They're pretty solid at baseball. Um, I don't know about this year. I feel like, I'm yeah, this year, I, I don't think that they're in the top 10 this year. Um, well, but program honestly, wise usually, right. Cause they're a team in Texas. They can't be terrible. Yeah. They, they're like, pretty well regarded um every year um uh, but yeah great for that kid that is i don't think that anyone else has ever done that before i mean could you i don't think you could do that with any other like two sports right like you couldn't you couldn't play an nfl game and then go play in the nba like that could never and like hockey like you could never i mean deon sanders left a playoff game like the moment the yankees won he took a flight to atlanta to play in a break or no, sorry, Yankees to the Falcons. So he literally left the Yankees game. It was a postseason game because kind of their postseason carries over to ours. So he leaves his postseason game, flies straight to Atlanta, returns a punt, punt return for a touchdown. Literally, no way. Even, I didn't know that. Dude, he, he did do that. Yeah, he's literally the greatest athlete of all time besides Bo Jackson. I mean, Bo Jackson probably just wakes up and does any amount of sporting in his life. Like who knows what that man does on a day-to-day basis. Well, not anymore, but. All right. I mean, now how, how accurate is this? I heard that Michael Jordan wasn't that good at baseball. He was just like 
way more athletic than everyone at the time. That's I, now look, I have no idea. That's why I'm asking you guys. That's what I was informed. I've heard similar things. I honestly haven't seen a ton of his baseball video, um, but obviously, like, incredibly talented. Um, and the fact that he just got up, like, to play in the big leagues um, is a feat in and of itself. Uh, but, yeah, I think uh, – I'm not sure how great he was on the field. I mean, let me put it this way. If you have your own movie, Space Jam, and you're starring in it, would you portray yourself as a shitty baseball player? Because that's what he did. <laughs> I mean, that's what he did. He kind of wasn't like, oh, my God, I was a stud and doubly me. Like, nah, he was like, yeah, I suck. Like, they told me the pitches. Like, bro, <laughs> like come on, man. Like, dude, if, if I was a minor league catcher and Michael Jordan stepped into the box, I'd be like, dude, fastball's coming dead red. Yeah, I'm doing it as hard as I fucking can. Yeah, like, hey, man, if I, like, let you know the pitches, like, maybe we go shoot around a golf, we gamble a little, you know, give me give me support side tickets. Like, hey, I'm just saying. Dude, I'm you guarantee, batting you guarantee me 30 that my parlay hits next week. Like, we're cool bro yeah but like i'll let you know whatever you want he's like i'll call time i'll get the picture all rattled he's like i'll literally do whatever it takes but, but now on the other end bo jackson was actually that guy though right like he was like very good at baseball he was that guy yeah he's unbelievably talented like when i think of bo jackson like that one play where he just like runs up the outfield wall and like kind of does like a little i you know what i'm talking about yeah, yeah. yeah, and he's also like 240 pounds when he does it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I yeah. have two funny stories about Bo Jackson. The first one, my uncle actually committed to play baseball at Auburn. Ended up being the backup center fielder because a name, a man named Bo Jackson committed to Auburn and started above him. So he never got a chance to see the field at Auburn. And then when a scout showed up to watch Bo Jackson in college, he watched him in the batting cage and his, in his first swing, he knocked down the batting cage. He hit the piping and just knocked over the batting cage and he, he just tipped his cap. He was like, thank you for your time and just left. Immediately went to the scout and was like, I saw I need to see it. He's like, we have to take this man like first overall. Like it doesn't matter. Like he's just the biggest man ever. And I, I think he's the only man to ever break a bat over his head. Which the bat may have already been broken, but still. Either like, way, dude. Yeah, I can't even do that shit over my knee, so <laughs> I'm not trying it. I over can my barely head. swing a baseball bat, dude. <laughs> He's it's harder than it looks. Yeah, it bro. So Zach and I this summer we did um we ran all the media for a uh, summer league baseball team in uh, which South one Florida. the uh, West Palm Knights West Palm yeah, West Palm Knights. Beach Knights yeah, yeah South Florida. Yeah, South Florida Collegiate Baseball League yeah. is the name of. So we like summer. we grinded, bro. Like we went to every game. We ran we ran all their socials. We we commentated. Like we ran media for a college team, and it was sick. Uh, I don't know. Oh yeah, so all the guys would like Zach would go out there and like fuck around with them because Zach played baseball before. I had ne- I've never played baseball a day in my life, so they'd always be like, "Yo, go in the batting cages," and I'm like, "Yo, Zach, if I if they see me swing this bat, they're gonna lose all respect for me as a man." <laughs> Like, I cannot – I denied it every time. I was It's actually like, dude, just do one. I was like, there's no fucking way I'm going in there and swinging that bat, dude. They're all – they're never going to talk to me again. Yeah. Dude, I mean, summer ball is a, is something else. It is wild. I don't know the experience that you guys had there, but summer ball, there's yeah. some wild shit that goes on in summer ball. Like, things that, like, you'd never expect in your whole life. I Like, I remember there was this one kid who went to UChicago with me um and he was like super into media like he's like a journalism guy and one summer uh somewhere in like the middle of like bfb midwest i don't know what league it was but um 
they ran out of pitching and he was doing like basically what you guys were doing, running all the media and socials. And he was commentating. He was in the middle of a broadcast for a game and they ran out of pitching and they're like, Hey bro, like, can you throw? They're like, call the bullpen upstairs. Uh, and he came down and he threw an inning that like, that is the epitome of summer baseball. Yeah. You got to look this kid up. I forget what his name is, but yes, it was all, it was everywhere. Oh, dude, he had to be so hyped. Yeah. Oh my God. So hyped. Yeah. Yeah. I was so pissed because I I would literally bother because the coach's name was Sam at the time. I told him every day I was like, dude, you need an outfielder or a pitcher like for an inning. I was like, I, I was like, I got it in the tank. Like I was like, you have no need to worry about that. I was like, I can go an inning or two. But um, that was one of the few summer roll teams where, like things actually like panned out over the season. It was the only weird thing about it was I had never seen kids get traded during summer ball, and we traded like five kids. Yeah, they got traded. We tra- yeah, we tra- were trading. Tra- <laughs> yeah, we were trading kids because like. The whole league was owned by one guy. Like it was kind of just like assorting players to teams, and then we were just like, "Oh, this this team like needs some outfielders." So they were just like take guys off our roster, and we'd see them like playing against each other. We're like, "Dude, what is going on here? Like this is not what summer ball is like envisioned That's to hilarious. be." Hilarious! Oh my gosh! What yeah. I thought was really cool about summer ball is like we'd have some kids in our team that are like, "Dude, this kid is like disgusting." Like we had kids that played at Campbell. We have a kid that was a D two All American two time. Like nasty kids. And then on the same team would be like the a kid that I think I could have played as badass, like it, it on the same team. And like we would go out and depending on which lineup we threw, we were the best team in the league or we were dog shit. Like we didn't have any like five hundred games. Like we either we beat all the top ranked teams and all the shitty teams beat us because on the rotations we had playing those games, and it was yeah. so crazy to me to watch because I was like, if we played the same team with our like best guys, we dog them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. My my personal experience with summer ball, I'm kind of interested to hear about yours, Sam. But for me, I was always the like summer ball all star. Like for some reason, in season, what like always struggling. Like at some point in the year, when it came to summer ball, and I just had like we'd get in the wood bat tournaments, batting like 480 for the tournament, like getting nominated for like player of the tournament. Like I don't know why. And then I get to the season, like oh, I'm gonna carry over and be really good. And then it's like up, oh, I suck again. So so like wait around, wait around the truth, but. When you played summer ball, first, I'm kind of interested. What position did you play? Uh, I was a pitcher. Oh, you were a pitcher? Did you bat in high yeah. school? No, I was actually so bad at batting that I they used to DH for me so I could play the outfield. What Julian, oh so you remember Julian, Grace? Yeah, yeah. Julian, well, Julian could swing it a little bit, but Julian, on the days he would pitch, they were like, fuck, we don't have like a good outfielder. We're going to have to stick Sam's ass out in the outfield, but that means that Julian has to hit while he pitches. So they used to DH for me because I was that bad at hitting, even in high school. And I was like, like, screw it. I'm never touching. I should never touch a bat. I should only step foot on a mound. Um, so, yeah, I literally haven't hit since, like, freshman or sophomore year of high school. You had to enjoy taking BP, though. Like, you had to have. Like, every PO loves the Oh, BP. yeah. Like, big leg <laughs> kicks. There was one – there was a BP in high school where, like, there was bets on if I could put one out at some point during the year. And I think like one person bet on me and there was one BP where I got into one and I like, like it was like a wall scraper, but he got out and I was going crazy. It was awesome. See our experience was so before our high school built our field, which I'll get into our field in a minute. We played at a little league field. So it was like 300 all around. And for high school, that's like you're literally at the little league world series again, everyone's just hitting bombs. And then when we, we build our high school field, and we put a football field 
and center. So our dimensions were 310 down the line, 435 to the gap, 365 to center, 440, 450 to right center, and then 310 down the line again. So you have – Did you go to Key West? Dude, we actually played in Key West, and that was like – That's the like best. what their field – No, nah, he, he went to Carroll Day School with me. No, no, no. Oh, but, yes. Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like the same dimensions. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So when we actually, it's actually funny. When we played Key West, because every spring break, you have like your baseball trip where we go play. We went down to Key West to play like Marathon, Key West, like yeah. all those teams. And when we pulled up to Key West Field, like teams think they have the advantage because like, oh, it's our, it's our home field. We know how to play it. We probably played their field better than they knew how to play it. Like we knew all where to stand in the gaps. Like we knew how to not give up extra base hits. It was a great experience. I... That actually, no, no one went yard though. I don't think I, no one hit a home run at CDS. Frank had an inside the Parker just because, yeah, he had but it I right mean, no one, no one took it out though. No, I mean, no, Rodrigo not, took it out in BP, but no one's like in a game. Oh, I've seen plenty of people take it out in BP like yeah. that. You get but into no one, one in the game. It's yeah, no. so, dude, it's like so dumb. I did that. It's like, I it like looks it. aesthetically cool, but like it's not baseball, like yeah, high I school mean, baseball. I want to see home runs. I mean, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I, I know at Jesuit, like, they hit some pretty good bombs because when we played you guys in fall ball a good amount, like, you had guys constantly committed D1, like, just dropped nukes all Dude, over the, the Jesuit, place. Uh, the Jesuit, um, what's it called? Jesuit field's nice, but when my dad played there, he said it was, like, a shithole. And the outfield used to be parking for, like, Bucks games and, like, stuff like that. So there'd be, like, beer cans and, like, broken glass in the outfield. Like, my dad said it was such a shitty field like it, like they would get sued today he goes but they rocked that home field advantage so hard over everyone they played oh yeah i mean dude when we played sefner christian their outfield grass was um like a fairway for a golf course it was terrible like i couldn't tell you sefner how- was one of the worst schools like I, yeah. that i remember their field it was pretty bad yeah it's just like out in the middle of bfe it, the most country place and then it was worse, but then when we got there, they're like, oh, let's just put fairway grass everywhere. So, like, anytime you try to, like, pivot and take off in the outfield, you just tore up a bunch of sod and then didn't go anywhere. So, it was like, I don't really understand the point of having to do maintenance every two and a half weeks. Like, maybe just give us the little, like, things they fill in divots for, like, if you're going to do that. But, yeah. How's, how's the Berkeley field, Sam? It's gotten a lot nicer. It's it's really nice. When it, I was there, um, it was it was kind of ass. They kind of just, like, built the, ba- the baseball and the softball and, like, pushed it away. Yeah, they've really built it up recently, um, especially since, like, Jesuits redone their field. Um, and so once, Berkeley like, uh, Coach Warren came over to Berkeley, um, he was pretty on top of, um, like, look good, feel good, play good, um, really good at recruiting players. And part of that is having nice uniforms and, like, having a well-maintained field and, like, setting a higher, like, bar. So I, I credit that a lot to Warren. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a lot nicer now. Yeah, bro. All the Jesuit goats are at Berkeley now. Sile and Warren. Crazy. Yeah. Warren yeah. got there your freshman, our freshman year, right? Yeah. Our freshman year, bro, he got there. Here's a, here's a crazy story. I don't know if you know the reason, like why he got fired and everything. Um, anyways, he, they, when they won States, they won States with, they had brought up 11 JV kids when they won that state title, our eighth grade year. They literally won States with the JV team. But state's finals was after the last exam, so school was over. So they did the ring ceremony the next fall, which was, like, on my first day at Jesuit. And, like, the whole team goes out, and then Warren comes out, and everyone gives him a standing ovation. 
And then when he goes to get the ring from the AD, everyone starts booing the AD. Like really? the whole school, bro. It was crazy. And I was like, it's my first day at Jesuit. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like, this is sick. <laughs> you know? And then, like, yeah, he built, like, that culture. I mean, like, all of Berkeley's athletics are the best they've ever been. You know, they're finally, like, starting to care about it, I feel. But what? so he came into freshman year. Who was the coach before him? Uh, it was Houston. Houston, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I would also, we had yeah. um JT Quinn on. He said he paid mad props to you. I forgot to tell you about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. JT, I, I love JT. He's crushing that Ole Miss he's right a dog, now. He's dude. Yeah. He's a dog. I know. I'm, I'm super excited for him. And he's got a long future in baseball that I, um, I'm very, uh, or I very much look forward to, to following. But, oh, dude, his fastball's electric. And, uh, he just flat out shoves. Yeah. He shoves. Um, so, yeah. What's it called? Real quick, uh, going back to that, what was it like with Warren? Like, how, how how did you like having Warren? Obviously, he's a great coach, but like, what were the things he did and stuff that you thought made him like even better? Um, I I don't know. I just I connected with him really well. He set a super high standard and didn't like tolerate any bullshit, which I really appreciated. The first few years, or my freshman and sophomore year, um, we weren't as good, and like that culture wasn't necessarily built up yet. Um, and there is some growing pains for sure. Um. But at, when he started getting some of his guys in and like he was around there a little bit more and uh, we went through a few hell weeks and um, basically went through some bad losses. And like um, we realized that like that is not OK, like to have happen. Uh, and like I attribute him setting like the bar higher. But man, what a hell of a coach. And he surrounds himself with really good people, um, really good coaching staff um jeff karsten's there he's the pitching coach and he is a huge mentor to me so shout out jeff um still communicate with him today he's uh, yeah again great mentor um but yeah just warren set a really high bar and brought in really good people um and recruited really well so he just did all um emphasized doing all the little things right and uh once you kind of win baseball games and like you realize that it's fun to win baseball games it kind of like um catch fire a little bit and it kind of just keeps rolling especially when you get the right people at the top to keep it going um and that's what we've had happen so yeah i mean good for i always felt bad for my like high school coaching like relationships specifically because we kind of all came to cds uh under a coach named nick rodriguez and we had a great relationship with him all the players loved him he kind of like set everyone in line do the little things right very fundamental practices stuff like that and then our going into our senior year, he had to leave to because he got presented a better job opportunity to go be the head of school at I think um some tiny ass school. Yeah, some tiny school in Brandon, but like the pay was better. So we completely understood. He had one of those like bring us all into a room and like explain to us like what he was doing. So like we understood why he did it. It's just hard to see him leave like that. And then of course the first year he leaves, we make our states run and we go like 25 and four. And then it was so weird because our practices that next year we had like all seniors. We didn't even really like practice. It was the same thing every time you do your basic IO and then we just take BP for an hour and a half. Like it was such a joke, but like, I feel like having a good coach can instill like so much in you, especially if the relationship you keep with them post high school career, like they can teach you so much, not just as a baseball player, but as like a human being that like, you'll never forget those lessons for the rest of your life. Um, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on from a not so serious note, we were talking about Berkeley a little bit and I can't help but to brag when we talk about Berkeley because every time I pitched against Berkeley, 
I never gave up any runs. I think through all four years, never gave up a run. I think I had like a no hitter going through five one time against them. They just could not hit me. Were there any teams that you faced in high school that you just dominated every time you faced, or you just like love pitching at their field? Zach just shot shots at Berkeley. <laughs> I mean, I dominated them. I, I ran, I ran the table on Berkeley. Like it Berkeley wasn't... always beat CDS like one zero two zero. Like it was always every every year. Even our twenty five and four year, dude, we lost to like one zero, but they threw Bosnick, right? Yeah, it was a one zero or no, we lost three to two. We lost to Berkeley twice or yeah, we no, we beat them actually one time in the IMG tournament. So we beat we finally split with them. We lost to them once. And then when Calvary was the number one team in the nation, we took them to extra innings and lost. You were you were one bad toss to first base away from beating Calvary. Bro, Sam. Bottom top of the sixth. I remember hearing about that game. Dude, top of the sixth, we're beating them. I think they had second and third PFP right back to our pitcher. Our pitcher just shits the bed, short arms, throws it to first. Our first baseman just like couldn't pick it. It was such a, like a bad short hop. Gets away, two run score. They take the lead going into the seventh. That's we were game, so- bro. That's game. If y'all, if you, if you make that play, it's game. You guys, yeah. you guys break the Calvary streak. Oh, dude, I, I will never. Sam, ever- that game was Friday night, and none of them went to school Monday. <laughs> none of them. <laughs> That's crazy. So such a moral defeat. But yeah, back back to the question. What are what are some of the I guess your best performances against in high school? What fields did you like pitching up the most? Uh I like pitching at home, definitely. Uh teams that I love to face. I loved facing Tampa Catholic. Tampa Catholic. Um, I don't know what it was like freshman year. Like I just re- like Everyone always said Tampa Prep was Berkeley's like rival, but I like in my head it's always been Tampa Catholic. I know it's like the Jesuit. Like no, TC and Berkeley are low key heated rivals because they're the two best teams in the district in like every sport. So like they're I've always thought that too. I feel bad for TC though because everyone just hates them. Like yeah, everyone hates them. Berkeley hates them. Yeah, um, I remember throwing against them. I I had some good games against them actually against um. I think it was CDS, the, my first start senior year. Um, I think I went seven no hit, and it was zero, zero, zero. Um, and I got taken out after the seventh because my first uh, start of the year. Um, that, I remember that one was pretty good. Um, yeah, no, I, I had a, I had a pretty decent senior year, um, but a lot of that was taking on innings after Julian got hurt because uh, he tours he tours UCL in preseason. Um, so had to eat a lot of innings, but no, I, there are definitely some good memories. Uh, a lot of them with TC and a lot of them, um, in, uh, regionals and stuff in, in playoffs. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like most high school teams, especially now compared to like when we were there, like I remember growing up, I would go to the TC Jesuit games when Lance McCullers was still there and it would be a sold out, like oh, packed dude, crowd, yeah. like in yeah, yeah. insane. And then, like, when I got to high school, I was like, yeah, this isn't actually, like, that big. Or maybe I've just, like, grown into it or seen bigger crowds or something. But then, like, now that I've left, like, how Grace was mentioning earlier, like, none of the guys on our team hit any home runs. They're, like, almost half the kids on our high school team have bombs. Like, every time I scroll on Twitter, it's, like, Tampa Bay Area talking about how, like, oh, this kid would, like, had two bombs in a game. I'm like, dude, what are these high school kids eating? Like, what are, what <laughs> regiments have they been put on since leaving? Because, like, we surely didn't get any of that luck at all. Dude, that's what I'm saying. The kids now, I'm like, I started looking at these 
Instagram videos or like some of the perfect game highlights. I'm like, they're like, Oh, like 560 foot home run by class of 2034, like bop, first baseman bopper. I'm like, where the hell are these kids coming from? Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah. Every, every year it seems like the talent level gets better and better, especially around this area. It's really fun baseball. It's, it's something um, in the milk, dude. It's gotta be. It's gotta be something in the milk. Something different in the water around here. I don't know. Yeah. I'm telling you. Or in yeah. like in Dominican, like their waters have to be great because they're yeah. fucking producing. They're I mean, producing. Yeah. I mean, I remember I spent one summer training with Jose Fernandez's coach and a bunch of the guys that they had literally brought up from the Dominican and Puerto Rico to like train in the States. They were like our work. age. Yeah. That could like try to get contracts. Dude, they're out there throwing softballs like 200 feet long toss and then pumping like 96 gas like doing so many drills and i'm like my dude what is going on like i was like i was like first like, of all i'm never playing in the mlb <laughs> yeah i was like you're i was like you're not 13 you're 27 i'm not stupid like i know better than that but kind of shifting away from the high school experience kind of want to get into your college uh journey how was your recruiting process like moving from high school to college were a lot of schools talking to you? Was it kind of just like you found the lucky one at the right time? Kind of walk us through that. Yeah, I had no schools talking to me. I wanted to play college baseball, but no one wanted me to play for their college baseball team. Um, like going into my going into my junior year, um, I love baseball more than anything. But man, I was small. I wasn't throwing very hard, and I didn't throw very many strikes. Um, what I wanted uh, throughout like the recruiting process was to use baseball as a means to get into a better academic school that um, I couldn't uh, get into otherwise. Um, maybe I could, maybe I couldn't, but uh, baseball was just going to lock a spot in for me uh, at like a high academic caliber school. Um, and that's kind of where my head was going through the recruiting process. Um, I went to a few recruiting um, camps, different showcases and stuff. Um, didn't turn too many heads uh, again, was like super small junior year, uh, didn't hit my growth spurt until like senior year. Um, but I performed really well at a uh, university of Chicago, uh, baseball camp. Uh, they pretty much immediately offered me whatever that means for like a D3 yeah. academic school. Um, I, I don't even think I was technically a recruited athlete. They like get a few spots to push through. They were like, yeah, we'll push you through. But like, I guess technically on paper, you're not a recruited athlete. I was like, all right, can you get me in or not? And they're like, sure. As soon as that happens, I start hitting a growth spurt. Um, Julian tore his uh, UCL um, and they gave me 71 innings my senior year of high school. Um, I think I had a, one, around right around a one or a sub one ERA and just shoved. I had like close to 100 strikeouts and was like upper 80s, touching 90. Um, where I was like, oh shit, like I could potentially go play somewhere a little bigger. And I think a lot of it was mental for me too. Um, just like some of the showcases, like you're on the mound, you're like right there and like you see guys holding the radar gun up and like their notepads and stuff. And I'm like, fuck, if I don't throw a strike right here, like it's going to screw up my college recruiting experience. And um, yeah, a lot of it was probably very mental for me. So once I didn't have to worry about uh, recruiting stuff, like I could just go throw and compete, which is the reason that I like baseball in the first place. Cause all the extra bullshit is like other stuff. But, um, at the end of the day, baseball is like me versus you in the box. Like, let's go, let's go compete. Um, so I think that like really helped me, um, my senior year of high school. Um, I go to U Chicago freshman year. Um, I, 
think I led the team in innings. I split the uh, me and my freshman roommate. He was way better than I was. His name is Kyle. Kyle Petrie. He's still playing. Um, he's really good. He actually transferred as well out of Chicago, except he went to UVA. He had a little bit of a like longer path. Um, he went to UVA and then he went to SDSU, and now he's somewhere else. But he's I think he led Division three in strikeouts. So we had we had a really talented crew at uh, U Chicago. A lot of kids who hit their growth spurt late. Very similar story. Um, but I kind of had in the back of my mind that I wanted to go play somewhere bigger, wanted to test out playing division one baseball, um, entered the transfer portal, like right at the onset of COVID, um, after I had a few good starts my sophomore year, um, actually coach Warren reached out to the Penn guys for me. Uh, he had a connection to them, uh, and, uh, sent them some video through for them and, uh, kind of the, the rest is history. Um, made, made the transition over there and, uh, definitely, um, was the right decision and definitely don't regret it. Did you ever meet yeah. Anthony Artelona when you were at UPenn? I didn't know. Is he one of the wrestling guys? Yeah. He went to Tampa Prep. I used to wrestle with him like my whole life. I've heard the name. Um, I never crossed paths with him. A lot of it was like all like very much like just like baseball group, especially like my first yeah. year, like in COVID, we really just didn't see anybody else. Um, but yeah, I've heard the name before, just haven't met him. Dude, you got to tell me how you adjusted going from Tampa to Chicago. Cause my personal experience was I, I kind of was in the same boat where I wasn't getting looked at by any schools, went to a camp at the university of North Alabama and was told by the coach that like, I was going to get a scholarship from them or at the least uh, preferred walk on. So I was like, all right, so the, it was a school that was transitioning from a division two to division one. So I was like, Oh, it's like my only like, division one look i'm gonna put all my eggs in this basket and try to go ends up they don't have enough spots because i think when you transition you like your scholarships get cut in half so like you're even like in a worse boat so they kind of were like we ended up finding another juco transfer like we're sorry like this was literally i think like two three weeks out from like signing day so i was like well i guess i'm not going to play baseball my coach calls me he's like do you want to go play at the school called guilford college and i was like what he was like it's a small d3 school in odak in north carolina he goes, do you want to play baseball or not? And I was like, screw it. At the time, I was like, it's all I wanted to do. Dude, I hated the cold more than anything in my life. And that was North Carolina. It was the first time I'd ever seen snow. It wasn't even like that cold compared to like Chicago. How did you not only like first get to campus and get used to the weather, how did you even play baseball there to begin with? Because I feel like that adjustment to cold weather just did not cut it for me. Yeah, it was an adjustment and a half, 100%. Grew up playing baseball, obviously, here my entire life. Um, I'd been up north a few times. I have some family in Chicago, which was part of the decision uh, to go up there um, in the first place. But, man, it's it's fucking cold up there, especially, like, right on the lake, the wind chill coming off the lake. Um, it's, it's, an, it's something that you really never get adjusted to. Uh, I remember my first start was in Indiana. It was seven degrees. I remember warming up in like a ski jacket and like ski gloves and like trying to get my heart rate up. I got out on the mountain, like I couldn't feel the ball. And like, I have this thing where like, I don't care if it's 110 degrees or if it's like zero degrees, I like wear the same, like three quarter, like, like cut off shirt underneath. And that's what I did. And I couldn't feel the baseball. I walked like seven in like two innings and it was a horrible start, <laughs> but, um, I, yes, it, it was an adjustment and I had to get used to it for sure. Uh, but man, the cold is, the cold is tough. It's definitely nice to get a change of scenery. I'm happy to be back here now. 
but something that I knew that I wanted to kind of go away for college and experience that at least a little bit. Um, and it makes you have a greater appreciation when you come back down here, like spring and summer roll around and uh, you see the sun a little bit more for sure. I mean, dude, I couldn't stand it. I wasn't there for too long just cause like the adjustment was a little too hard for me. And like, obviously not starting right away, like kind of messing with your mental. I, I felt like I had to do a little more growing up to do if I want to play college baseball. And it was also like, why am I in North Carolina at a D3 school not starting when I could literally be at Florida Atlantic on the beach every day? Like at least like enjoying my college experience. So that was kind of like a big reason for me to kind of just get out of that scene. But you make your change from Chicago to UPenn. What was kind of like the biggest differences in, I guess, not only the team, but like facilities, environment? Because I feel like for me, showing up at a D3 school, like you see the fields and like, well, this isn't well kept. Like you expect like tarp out on the field every day, like perfect field conditions, like batting cages, nutrition, stuff like that. What was kind of like the biggest change between them? Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of stories. Um, at Chicago, I mean, I, great, great people. Um, coach Fitzgerald, who recruited me, um, big fan of his, uh, I haven't stayed in touch with him, uh, at, really after I made the move, but I'm a very big fan. Um, a lot of the guys there as well. I, I loved, but some of like the, the D3, uh, environment stuff, at least at Chicago was a little brutal. I remember, uh, I think that one of the games somewhere in like Iowa or Kentucky or something, we pull up to the field and after, after like an eight hour bus ride. And I think like our bus broke down in the middle of getting there or something, just like classic D3 shit. Classic. And we get to the field and there's like an eight U soccer game going on in center field. And like, we're like, what is going on? And there just was no communication that there was an eight U soccer game, but there was also a college baseball game scheduled to play um, at the exact same time. Uh, so I remember being like, well, what the hell? And like that, <laughs> I think that was like the first moment I was like, this is, this is, um, interesting for sure. Um, there's like some other things like that facilities and like just food and like stuff, like different perks that you don't necessarily get as an athlete <clears throat> that like, I kind of put in my head that you may, um, at Penn, it was definitely, um, a jump in terms of facilities um, culture, like standards that you're held to as a student athlete, which I really enjoyed, but it's the same thing. It's like the grass is always greener. Um, my best friends at Penn, uh, they always shit on Penn. They're like, yeah, we don't get like good enough food. Like look at like these ACC and SEC schools. Um, and now a lot of them are there and like, are enjoying that treatment, but there are levels up to everything. And I was really happy to, um, get some of that division one treatment. Um, but yes, the, the grass is always greener. Dude, you know it's something my cousin he played um he played D one baseball, and I remember when I was I was hanging out he was like probably six or seven years older than me, and then I remember I was hanging out with him uh right before I went to Jesuit and I was like tweaking about wrestling at Jesuit because I was like yo this is like fucking super like like you said it's like very prestigious you know like like if you make the lineup at Jesuit like you know that's very like it's an honor like it's like a fraternity. And he was like, dude, I played I played in middle school, high school. I played a little, like, pro a little. I played D1. He goes, the, the stadiums get bigger and the noise gets louder. He goes, but at the end of the day, you're playing the exact same game. He goes, the circle's the exact same size it was when you were eight years old versus now. He's like, the, he goes, the ref's going to be the same guy. You know, the colors don't change. Like, you're doing the same thing. 
And he goes, and once you realize that, like it takes so much pressure off. And I've always thought about that, about like so many different things in life ever since he told me that, you know, it makes yeah. it bigger in our head than it is. But like at the end of the day, you're still, 100%. You're still playing baseball, bro. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same game. One, Yeah. I, I can agree more with, with, with that. Um, you build it up in your head and I certainly do as much as anyone does. Uh, we, I remember we, we opened at Texas A&M last year. They went to the college world series last year and they made a pretty deep run. They were, they were good. Um, uh, we went down there and we took two of three from them. And I remember thinking like in my head, like, holy shit, like this is SEC baseball and like 5,000 people here. And, um, they're, they're loud and this is a pretty cool atmosphere. And last year I was in Iowa getting kicked off the field by some eight-year-old soccer kids, some soccer mom and her Honda just kicked me off the field. Um, and I remember standing on the mound and like thinking for a second, like it's the exact same thing. Like it's, it's just that a little bit bigger, but like it, I built it up so much in my head, um, which was, yeah, it's, it's funny when you come to terms with that and you realize things like that. Um, one other funny story from that weekend. Um, we, we played a weekend series. So down at their place at A&M and we, I have a snapchat story that just came up in february that i saved it was like me and all my buddies we had locker room at 3 a.m because we had a flight to go to midway uh midway to houston then we got on a bus in houston and drove to college station um it was a journey and a half especially with like taking 35 kids and like bags and everything and it's a it's not a close trip but like um it, it was a long journey we got up at like 2 15 in the morning and we had practice at 8 p.m. Thursday night at AM's field. Everyone was dead tired, like so tired. And it was actually kind of cold there. We practiced till like 10 o'clock at night. Everyone's exhausted. We're getting ready to start a three-game set there. Um, and we're having our meeting in the dugout. And like no one's there um, right after practice. And I don't know who came up. It wasn't their AD, but it was someone like with baseball facilities. And they were like, oh, um, can you guys tarp the field for us actually? Like, like not our field, like their field after a long ass day of travel. And um, we were just exhausted and we got so mad. We played with the biggest chip on our shoulder that entire week weekend. Um, and we, I, baseball is weird sometimes, but yeah, I, I, that sticks out to me. Um, and just the fact that we took two out of three from them. Uh, and they went on to have a good season. was, it was pretty cool. Was there a shit ton of people there? Cause I know SEC loves their baseball. Yeah, there was. Um, we played at some weird times because I think Saturday got rained out, but um, on Sunday, the first Sunday game, it was packed. It was it was rocking. Um, it was a little cold there, so I don't know if like as many people showed up, but it was still like five thousand plus. It was it was a lot. I mean, y'all talked a little bit about how it's still the same game throughout the levels, but I feel like when I got to college, I tried to walk on like walk on the field with that mentality. And it wasn't until my first inner squad AB, I'm facing the kid who this year was the closer for Team Italy, who's on our D3 team for some reason. And first pitch, <laughs> first pitch was like 92 inside corner. And I was like, this is not high school. I was like, this is <laughs> not high school baseball anymore. No, and like in he, that aspect, yes. It's, yeah, like the kids are better. Yes, 100%. But there's nothing different about the game of baseball. Like it's still the same game. Yeah, the mistake. I would say the they're biggest just throwing change. Cheddar. 
Yeah, the biggest change in the game is the speed picks up a little, and the the margin of error is very minuscule. Yeah, it's like I remember in high school you could walk up to the plate or like you get on the mound and you would nine times out of ten you're expecting a first pitch fastball. In college, I feel like the pitch repertoire, like understanding batters, scouting, suddenly like takes such a huge leap. Like I remember looking at like our like pitching reports for like the other team, and I was like, dude, what? Like I don't even like care. Like, I was like, I'm just going to go up there and throw fastballs. Like, what's the worst that can happen? But you look – I feel like when I first showed up to college and because I was a two-way at the time, they were like, oh, you don't have, like, a third – like, you don't have, like, a solidified second and third pitch that you can trust in any count. And I was like, no. And then they were like, oh, well, good luck getting on the mound this year. And I was like, well, thanks. But, I mean, I feel like that's just kind of the – I don't know how it was for you, Sam, when you well, got one there. Thing, one thing Jack Anderson said that was, like, the hardest was, like, the the pitch discipline. He's like, when you're in high school, you can, if you're like tired or like you're like not feeling your five and you can get away just being better than kids and just throwing something down the middle. He's like, in college, you do that one time and you get lazy on one pitch, it's, it's gone. You know, that's what he was saying to us. He was like, that was the biggest difference for him. Like, he had to tighten up on every, like, every single pitch had to be his best pitch. Yeah. Now, Sam, I don't, I'm not too familiar with your pitch repertoire. So I'm kind of interested to see what you kind of had in your arsenal. But what was kind of your biggest jump from, I guess, discipline or any of the aspects that we mentioned as you moved from like high school to college on the mound. Yeah. Um, I would say the game definitely does speed up on you a little bit. Um, and that is one of the things that you have to take a step back and be like, okay, like I'm here for a reason. Um, trust your shit and um, play like the exact same game. Like Grayson was saying. Um, one of the things for me was um, understanding like what pitches I threw really well and that I didn't necessarily need to have like show like a, a decent third pitch. So like senior year. So I guess the progression, my progression was a little different. Um, so I get to Penn junior year and all of COVID I'm training. I was like 205 pounds, like just literally trying to throw as hard as I can. I went to tread athletics um, trying to like, go play pro ball, um, trying to spin the hell out of my curveball and um, light my fastball up, um, which was super effective. I like I hit like 94, 95, um, but that's all great in a lab. Um, step on the mound and go do it and go throw strikes is a lot different, um, which is something that you don't necessarily realize until um, you're not pitching anymore because you're not throwing strikes. Um, they gave me uh, – they gave me an opportunity to start right out of the gate at Penn. We actually had our, we had our season canceled um, because of COVID. We were the only yeah, division one conference. Everything. Yeah. I mean, it's just something that like happens and you just got to kind of roll with the punches, yeah. but we were lucky enough to uh, play 14 games uh, in, tw in my junior year. So we played some like just local uh, competition, Villanova, LaSalle. LaSalle is my least favorite baseball team ever because I, I played the worst against them that I've ever played. I remember I like got there. I didn't know any of my teammates. Um, obviously, like during COVID, we couldn't really interact a ton. Um, and like they didn't really know who I was. And a lot of it is individualized. I think that's the big that's the biggest thing is like in high school, like if you have a bad outing, like they like there's not a ton of other options. Like they're going to keep giving you the ball. And they're going to keep trusting you. And you know that they're going to keep doing that. When you don't perform at the college level, they 
pass the baton very quickly. Baseball is a what have you done for me lately game, especially at the college level. Um, and if you don't understand that or you're not able to uh, make the mental adjustment to um, kind of get on board with the reality that that is, then you're not going to pitch at that level, uh, which is something that took me a little while to learn. So I was throwing really hard my junior year, but uh, didn't command it for strikes. I, I was spraying it. I was super wild. Um, I walked more people than I've ever walked in my whole life. Like was a mental like head case on the mound. And I remember it was literally just like two starts and then I got shipped off the summer ball. Um, and like that kind of sat with them and I kind of got pushed to the pen. Um, but once you kind of like realize I, at least in college for me, the individual part really, um, sucked like playing for yourself and guys deal with that at pro ball too. Like there's no incentive for you to like win a college world series in pro ball. Like, like who cares if you win like the low a, like, I don't know, Florida golf league championship. No one really cares. Like everyone's playing for themselves, but at the college level it's kind of the last level where you're playing like in a team with, in a team setting. And like you have more people to account for than just like performing for yourself. Um, so once I kind of understood that I had a much better senior year, um, and didn't necessarily like think that I had to throw really hard, um, or spin the ball crazy. I just knew that I had to go and throw strikes and throw my best shit in, um, like whatever count it got called and just go compete. And that was probably the biggest difference. Yeah. Well, also in college, like you're like, like you said, in the pros, you're kind of just playing until you can make it. And then you're just playing for money basically. In college, like you're still playing for like a college world series, you're still playing for like a legacy. Like a, you're representing all the like old U Penn guys that played there. You know what I mean? Like an Ivy League title. Like there's a couple, oh, yeah. there's like a more there's more of a team build. Like and you know you're there for three years. Like versus in the pro, you kind of want to just play for a contract. You know, like yeah, you want to win, but like you, Shohei Otani and Mike Trout obviously don't give a fuck because they're making bills on bills. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the hardest things in baseball today is uh, aligning incentives to try and win over 162 games. You saw in the WBC, so many more of these like uh, Latin guys, they look like they're like so much happier playing for their country and trying to win a uh, WBC um, trophy than they are in the middle of June when they're 13 games under 500 and like they've already made their bag. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's what annoyed me the most. Um, like kind of, as the World Baseball Classic was ongoing and like more people started to pitch their like opinions on it, I could not stand it. People were saying, like, oh, like these are just like meaningless exhibition games. You're not really playing for anything. I'm like, dude, like the World Baseball Classic like championship averaged like 72 to 74 million viewers. Like people yeah, no, want to watch it. Huge this. honor. If you win that, like you win that for your country, that is a huge yeah, honor. You're the best, best, you're the best baseball country in the world, in the world. until until the next four years, which yeah. I was kind of like talking about this um, on our other social medias because I wanted to just kind of pitch the idea out there. And I don't know if you think this is stupid, Sam, but I'm interested to hear your opinion. I was thinking since we only do the World Baseball Classic every four years, why not set up exhibition like games between like your spring training squads in America and just go play the international teams over there? Like go play a Korean baseball league team like during spring training, like work it out. Maybe go here one year, maybe there the next. I know money is always the biggest influence in all this that stuff. That would so, make money. Exactly. Like, in my opinion, I feel like that would sell a lot of people, even though it is spring training, but like you can get at least a couple stars out there to show, like at least market your talent to the rest of the yeah. world. Like, you could maybe, sell that. That's marketable. 
Yeah, I feel like what hurts the MLB today the most is kind of like yeah, the Sam's TV. Sam's got some front office ideas that he's about to say. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, my, my head's in a different spot, yeah. I'm yeah. worried about my guy, like our guy's health. We just lost Springs today for I don't know how long. Oh, um, so that is one of the things. One of the things that uh, upset <laughs> me about the WBC this year is like, not upset me, but like I do like the FIFA World Cup is is there. Like everything else is below it. Um, and like people play for for that. Um, it does suck when guys are building up innings in spring and they have to stay out there longer or they can't go back to back outings because um, they're not built up to that yet. Or there's like there's just again, like there's mismatch of incentives that uh, a lot of people don't realize and like just things that have to happen. I felt bad for Mark DeRosa uh, managing the U.S. team. His hands were tied a lot uh, in terms of what he could do with like bullpen usage and uh, guys that had to get innings, um, but they were throwing badly or something like that. Um, and then how many guys declined playing on certain teams because their teams, one, didn't want them to. Two, um, I, one of the uh, Dodgers shortstop, um, when Gavin Lux tore his ACL, he was, I think it was um, one of the guys, I, I forget who it was, but he was going to go to the WBC, but he stopped, uh, stayed to play, um, continue the spring uh, with the Dodgers because um, he's going to get a bigger role this year. And they thought that was in his best interest. So um, I think it is really good for baseball to have something like this. Uh, a better way to have it, I'm not necessarily sure. And I'm not faulting teams or the WBC for like the way it is right now. But a lot of people don't realize that they're like um, – limits on certain things that can happen and i do think that it waters it down but i think it's great for baseball i was actually happy that japan won i saw that there's like a million or there are millions of viewers from from there and um anything that grows the game like i'm all for it so i i do definitely think that this year it it did grow the game um and it's it's something cool to have in the spring as well well it's cool yeah. too because there's very few sports you can do that with you know like soccer you can do it with i guess wrestling uh fucking baseball but like maybe hockey like it, there's not a lot of sports you can do it with that many and at that level where everyone's good too that's what's really cool about it but you know one thing that i always say why i like college football more than i like professional football is because they're playing for like a legacy and they're playing for like honor and like for like love you know, that's like the last level of love and then when they go pro it's like a little like we just talked about it's more contract the wbc had mob caliber guys playing with the love of high school and college teams. So I think that was really cool to see too, like them really caring and like really wanting to win and represent their country well, rather than just like, like you said, it, we're my team sucks ass. I don't really care to play anymore. I'm getting paid. Yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. It is really cool to see some of the stuff like that, especially some of the teams that don't have a ton of like pro guys. Like I think it's so cool to see that um, Great Britain or like Team Nicaragua, um, they have like a plumber from their country struck out Mike Trout. Um, I think that's awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I think at like the FIFA level, you see everyone like giving every single thing that they have. And like there are some guys who are like playing a little more cautiously for injury and stuff. So like it, it's really hard to have something perfect I, I don't know you can't even do it in the offseason because pitchers are limited with innings and stuff mm -hmm. i think it just screwed up a little with how long the baseball season is but um it's definitely something something that's good to have and really good to see with like some of the, the latin countries and 
I went to the WBC. Uh, I saw Israel in play Miami, in Nicaragua. Right? Yeah, in Miami. And for a noon game, like, it was rocking in there. It was it was crazy. And to see some of, like, these fans and, like, how awesome it is for baseball, that's that was just really cool. Yeah. yeah I, I, I was going to say, you brought up scheduling a little bit, and I really wish we would shift to less games because I love how college baseball has their format with I think it's like 50-something odd games um, to play through a season. I feel like that's the perfect amount to keep, like, viewers engaged throughout the year, and that way you can kind of, like, manage ticket prices a little better. But another thing about the World Baseball Classic I just wanted to touch on is some of the international rules that don't allow for talent to play within the U.S. Like, if you want to be a Cuban-born baseball player, you have to defect from your country. Like, we literally had a guy skip his plane ride to stay in the States. Like, he was supposed to fly back and was like, mm, I'm going to stay in America and just try to get my visa. Like, I just defected from Cuba. Like, okay. Like, guess you didn't see that one coming, even though it happens every single time they do this. Um, and then another thing, what I think Japan does extremely well to keep their talent homegrown, you are not allowed to sign to a major league ball club until you are 27 years old. I believe. I think that's what you, you have to be. I think it's once you turn 27 or serve a certain amount of years in the Japanese baseball league, then you're allowed to go for like international signing because they got that guy now who just hit the home run in the championship. Uh, Murakami who hit that like nuke dude last year. He he's 20, two years old last year, bats 361 with 54 home runs. And we can't bring him to the United States. We can't bring him to the U.S. just because he has to play four more years over there. And no one would ever know who he was if he didn't play in the World Baseball Club, World Baseball yeah. Classic. So, like, if you're just able to set up these exhibitions or even, like – How is that I, even allowed, bro? That's so stupid. No, it's so smart for the Japanese product because they know they can't compete with us market-wise paying their players. So they're so just you, fucking over their guys. No, they're keeping them homegrown and earning a boatload of money off how raw they are. And then they're like, oh, how great yeah, you were here. That's over the guys, dude. Have you seen those MPB games, how crazy they get? Dude, they love baseball in Japan. I remember, I'll say no, that. I remember during COVID, I was a pizza delivery driver for Russo's Pizza in Clearwater. And cause it was like one of the only jobs I could get. And we would just like on a dead day, we would just sit in the re- empty restaurant. We could do deliveries only. We'd sit in the restaurant and just watch the Korean baseball games, and then have like the <laughs> inflatable people and stuff in the in the fa- stands, dude. And it was honestly pretty lit, dude. It was pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, they love baseball over there. But honestly, I think it's smart for Japan just because you know you can't compete, so you might as well like keep guys a little more homegrown. That's why like some of these international signings debuts are so big. Like you think back to when Ichiro first came to the league, like that was a massive signing for the United States. Like just to have probably the one of the greatest Japanese baseball players ever to come over here. He was like the gateway player for players like Shohei Otani. Yeah. And then when Shohei came over, everyone was like, Oh my God, this is Jesus yeah. on a base. Like this man is literally Jesus, by the way, you could not have storybooked an ending better than Shohei Otani versus Mike oh, Trout. Dude, they, didn't I, this. they somehow did. It. I don't know how, <laughs> but they did. They did. I promise you. I don't know who they are either, but they did. Well, I will say this. Major League Baseball is the only sport in America where our government has a stake in the sport. Like we have, the government puts money into the sport. Yeah, that is so, crazy. I don't know why they don't do it for football. I guess because it's America's pastime. Don't want to let it die. Sam, I don't want to get you fired for <laughs> theorizing <laughs> over here in the corner. I'm keeping my mouth shut right here. <laughs> but yeah, yeah let's- yo, I did, wait. I I meant to ask this earlier. When we talked about spring training, and it just came back to me. 
Did, who was the guy that didn't swing and went 500? Oh, the Dodgers kid? Yeah, he yeah. had 500 OBP. Yeah, I forgot his name, but he was He literally did not swing once. He's tracking baseballs, and um, yeah, it speaks to how hard it is to throw strikes at the major league level, especially with some of these umpires. And uh, yeah, that that was kind of a funny story. I saw that um, a lot of different places. But you think his yeah. coach was pissed? Or what you manage to call them? He's the one that made him not swing. Yeah, he's, that's like a organization oh, oh, implemented really? thing. Yeah, no, yeah. It, I think you'd catch on after a couple of bats. Like, <laughs> dude, you, like motherfucker, you haven't swung the bat in like twenty games. They're like, do you want to make the pros? Like, do you want to make the pros? Like, if anything, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, like if anything, I think you would rather go out there and strike <laughs> out three times a game, swinging his heart out every time. But like. No, he's one of their top prospects. They knew he had a hand fracture, but like they understand how hard it is. Oh, see, I didn't go this deep in that water. I yeah. just I saw a couple videos on it. Yeah. <laughs> no, because like I feel like the hardest thing to do is like to go from like only seeing BP where your guy may be throwing overhand from like 20 feet away to a guy that's throwing 60 feet, six inches away with 20 inches of break left to right, 90, 96, 97 mile an hour, mile an hour plus, like it's not easy to just wake up one morning and be like, yeah, I can do that. Like I can just swing the bat, like maybe a select few, like Mike Trout or Ronald Acuna on any given day. But I mean, they're, dude, it's ridiculous. I'm pretty sure Sam, you can attest to this. There's, there's so much talent in the minor leagues, but politics and branding play such a huge part of whether or not you get called up. I see guys that have phenomenal stats in the minors, but like, because they're not like a top 20 prospect, they'll probably never see the light of day. They'll never see the field. There's guys, there was a guy for the Nationals, what was it, last year, two years ago, that got called up when he was, like, 35. Like, dude just stuck to it. Like, dude, you're 36. Relax. <laughs> Find something else at some point. But Yeah, dude, go raise a family, bro. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, like, you're earning, you're earning maybe five grand only in season. Like, they only – I I'm, thought AAA, they made, they made bags. Yeah, Not bags. Right. Better money than you do at, like – Like a living? Dude, at – I heard stories of guys in single A ball that yeah no I know I know single A and double A are ass yeah twenty men packed into one apartment you're eating PB and J's for four weeks straight you're hopping on school buses for hours and you're like yeah man I really wish I was back at college like damn I don't want to do this but I mean dude if you're not top prospect international signing money whatever draft like signing bonus you got out of college like better what, what would you say is the average starter triple A player making a year. Ooh, I, I gotta look. It it depends on if they have any like big league service time. Um, it depends on, um, I guess just salary rise, salary wise. If, if they if they're on their way up and they haven't touched the MLB yet, um, but they're gross, but they're good. I I don't think that matters as much as just like the level that they're at. Um, because it's pretty it's pretty uniform. Uh, the AAA level. Um, I would say between like. 30 and 50k a year but don't quote me on that i that's i have to look i jack right so, down sam bennett said 30 to 50k i mean this is this is the difficulty about baseball you only get paid in season in the minor leagues you're only getting paid for the games like you're so. that you're actually present for the season you're not gonna get paid in the off season on average you're looking at 700 dollars at like at best for a triple A player with this no, one says this one says at a minimum of 20k max 130. Yeah, but see, that's too big of a range. You gotta look at it this way. 
how how long is minor league season? Because I know it's not as long as the one sixty two. It's like it goes from like now until end of August, early September. So like what six six seven months somewhere around there maybe yeah, yeah. so you're looking at six seven months at most seven hundred dollars a week. So yeah, that's what? what it said. It said four hundred to seven hundred dollars a week. Yeah, so at best as a AAA player, seven hundred seven hundred dollars a week for seven months. That's what seven hundred times what seven times four is twenty eight. So oh, congrats! The best AAA players earning uh, twenty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, that's what do you yeah, and then yeah, but oh, then you have guys who who um, just have like a signing bonus who were taken in the first or second round with uh, like two million dollars, and yeah, they don't care about their minor league salary. But if you are drafted with any like status at all, like you're living off your bonus until you get up to the big leagues, if you ever do. My uh, I had a family friend of ours, Trey Bacon, who played. He like started at the University of Florida and then literally just worked hard enough to where he get a fifth round draft selection by the Colorado Rockies, and then his signing bonus was I think like seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, and he's just been like investing that and saving that, trying to get through. Yeah. Who's the plant kid in our grade? Uh, Connor, Connor Scott. Scott. Yeah. Well, there's he two. A bag. He there's two. A bag. And I played against both of them. I played against Connor Scott and I played against Kyle Tucker. And when I where did Kyle Tucker come from? plant nasty i've never heard of that kid dude he's like they call him king tuck how do you know what about the what about that bama kid i remember i remember i, I partied with that Bama. eric kid. eric kennedy from calvary he ended up transferring to texas and was like the fastest kid like ever. Wait, no, no, no 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 bama kid from plant he, they, that's who they threw against uh, uh cds oh yeah but i mean dude we we destroyed tonight it didn't matter yeah um but when this is actually a funny story. So when I saw Kyle Tucker for the first time, we were playing at the university. He played Tampa. at Plant also. He's in our grade. Yeah. Or no. No, 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 no. Great no, grade. he's much older than us. Yeah, much older. He's like two Oh, years. I'm talking about no, yeah. I thought you're talking about Connor draft. Scott. Yeah, Connor Scott was our talking, grade. Yeah. No. Connor Scott ended up getting fifth going fifth pick the to Marlins. the Marlins. Yeah, yeah. he got a bag. Thirteen. He still got a bag. But uh, this is a funny story. So we figure out we're playing against plant in the university of Tampa, like fall ball tournament. And then we're like, Oh my God, like Kyle Tucker's playing on the team. And like half our kids are like stupid. Cause we don't like follow like prospect based on like, dude, Kyle Tucker is the number one player in the entire nation. And we're like, Oh, well, let's just glaze this kid some more. Like let's pull up some stats. We're like, apparently he's like 80 grade in like all categories. Like dude's just a phenom. And we're like, Oh, we're like, Oh shit. We got to see this dude play. Like we got to know how, how good the top of the top are. We pull up to UT Plants in the batting cages first. We see Kyle Tucker pull up. He goes to the batting cages, sets up the tee. First swing, swings seven inches under the ball, implodes the tee in half, breaks it, leaves. And we just all look at each other. We're like, but this is the number one draft pick, and he just destroyed a tee and left. He was like, I'm done. He's like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then I remember when he came up to the plate, I was playing right field and he's a left-handed hitter and he has bombs. And my coach was like, yeah, back it up, back it up. I was literally standing my heels on the warning track at UT. It's like three forty down the line. I'm like, dude, this kid's at high school. Like, do we really have to like fear this kid? He still ended up hitting a double uh, to right field. So I guess it really didn't matter anyway. Um, and then I ended up watching him get drafted like fifth overall. So 
I guess, I guess he really was one of the best players. And now he hit for like 100 RBIs last year and has the nickname King. So I guess and pretty just cool. won the World Series and got paid yeah. a bag in arbitration. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, shout out Kyle Tucker. Go. Uh, right. Sam, who, who's the nastiest kid you ever played with or against? Um, been a decent amount. Uh, this year, Dylan Cruz is, is pretty good. He played in the summer league I played in. Uh, he's probably going to be the one one this year. Uh, he's really good. Um, some of the A and M arms we saw last year were really good. Um, I all the Florida like Florida town like there's like one off times of like oh yeah like I played that kid or I played this kid or obviously I played like I played on the same little league team as Connor. Um, so uh, yeah, I've got to grow up seeing seeing him play. Julian's also like hey, really good. Nasty. Um, but yeah, probably Dylan Cruz. That kid could swing. Oh, also, um, uh, Judd Fabian. Judd Fabian's pretty, pretty nasty. He had, he is the fastest hands that I've ever seen. Like with a guy that I faced, I remember I put 91 on the black on the inner half, um, first pitch of the game. And he turned it around like nothing I've never seen, like I've ever seen before. And like was fouled by that much. But I was like, holy shit, this kid's hands are legit. Yeah, dude, my brother, uh, it was funny when he was in high school summer ball, he faced Bobby Wood Jr. <laughs> and got him like, got him down like one, two. And he was like, holy shit, I'm about to strike up Bobby Wood. Bobby Wood just like wrist flipped a double off the wall for me. He's like, this is probably why this kid is like one of the best prospects we've ever seen in our life. I mean, dude, I'm trying to think of like, I remember we played, crap. I think it was like team lead out of Georgia. We faced them when, who was the kid that played on the same team as Kumar Rocker, Will Banafield, and then there was another right-handed pitcher that was sitting like 98? Yes, I know exactly who you're talking Ethan, about. It's like Ethan something. Ethan Hankins. Ethan Hankins. Dude, we were scheduled to play them, and Hankins was supposed to pitch against us in summer ball. And bear in mind, our high school – I mean, our summer ball team was just our high school team that played summer together, but we would go to all these perfect game tournaments. We see that we're playing Team Elite, and Kumar Rocker just pitched the day before. So we looked on the website and it was like, oh, Ethan Hankins projected to pitch against CDS Patriots. And we're like, dude, we're like, if we face Ethan Hankins, like we're not going to touch the ball. Like we we're, we're fucked. Like it, it's over. Like we're, we're never going to see the field gets rained out. They end the round Robin play and we don't get to face him. And then I got mad. Cause I was like, all right, at least I kind of wanted to like see it. Like, who, was I, that I kid, to, like, who was that Stanford kid that, that they brought into our league just to pitch one inning? Oh my God. God, I forgot he was that. Fucking gross, dude. No one yeah. touched it. No one touched yeah. him. I gotta look at the roster, but um, it's actually funny. Is so it something flew- Bruno? Is it is it Bruno? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I'm gonna look at dude, Sam. So so me and Zach get to our we get to our because we have to get to the game an hour early because it's Ryan Bruno. Ryan Bruno. Ryan. So we get there early and the head of the whole league comes in. He's like, Hey guys, gotta let you know, you guys need to time and and get all this info for this kid today i need videos i need everything you fucking got and we're like all right whatever like and then and then like a shit ton of people come to the game and no one ever comes to the games like it's usually me zach and like a one mom like no one goes to the fucking games games packed like there's there's kids from other teams that aren't playing that day there like we're like what the fuck is going on and then our coach sam comes in and tells us yeah ryan bruno's coming to pitch they fly this kid out from California because just so we can get film, like the send. He strikes out in like one inning, strikes all three of our guys out on like fucking eleven pitches. 
and then leaves. And he throws like 96 and then just yeah. dips. Never plays another inning in the entire season. And the front page of the website, the whole rest of the season is just Ryan Bruno. Yeah. That's Dude, funny. It's funny because like he shows up and I started doing my background research on like this kid's Team USA since he was like 14, still on Team USA up until like the U20 team. So I was like, all right, got to be pretty nasty. He comes in, he's throwing like three quarter slot lefty, really, I'd say almost like a um, Julio Urias type motion, how he has that like kind of funky leg kick and a lot of leg drive. And then Reed Detmer curveball, like just unbelievable, like curveball. I think it was like high 70s, like barely borderline, like 78, 79, and then 96 mile an hour fastball. And then would just like yeah. show you an 82 mile an hour changeup, like out of nowhere. And I'm like, dude, like I don't know where they got this kid from. I don't know how much they paid him. To come yeah, down yeah, they like, probably did, ma'am. Oh yeah, because dude, that looks great for your brand. You're just like, yeah, we had a, we had this. Game. Oh, that actually reminds me. High school played, in high school we played against um, Xavier Edwards, the prospect for the Padres, and I'll never forget. He what shows up. To, he, he played on. I forget the name. I forget the team name. It's not a school in our district. It's like that's like, the that's the Rays slapdick prospect that uh, got traded for. Uh, the, oh yeah, he, I forgot he's on the Rays now. No, oh. he got traded to the Padres. Or, yes, yes, yeah. He he got traded to the Rays and to me. Um, yes. Yeah, that's that was the the um, slapdick prospect that uh, who is it? Blake Snell or. Something yes. Tommy Pham said something no. and it got printed on a ton of shirts. But yeah, we um, got rid of him this offseason. Damn. Because I, <laughs> well, dude, yeah. I, dude, I remember in high school, I'm like looking at him and I'm like, Xavier Edwards. Because I like, I saw him on the roster of the team we played and I was like, Xavier Edwards, I've heard the same. Look him up, ends up being the same kid. Grayson, this kid is literally five foot six with a hundred mile an hour plus exit below from both sides of the plate. He hit a ball so hard. Yeah, he literally hit a ball so hard at our shortstop that he couldn't even like set kid like he came set and the ball like found him. Like it just hit him in the chest and like blew him back. And I was like, I was like, holy shit. I was like, how do you fit that in that frame? I was like, you don't do that at five six. But I dude, I feel like I've seen so many kids, especially just in Florida, just have ridiculous talent. Like across that Bruno kid, by the way, Grayson, went to American Heritage. So he's oh, really? from Florida as well. Interesting yeah. Casas went to American Heritage. Too. He uh, played all weekend against us. He is he is pretty gross. By the way, they're gross how, in every sport though. Did I want to know your opinion on this? How did you feel about him like screaming? Because I'm a Red Sox fan. I I know. I trust me. It, it's been a, sucks. Yeah, it's been it's been rough. How did you feel about Tristan Casas screaming after his 14 pitch AB? I don't know if you saw that today, but he was getting like railed for it. It was so funny. Yeah, I that like went over my head i was like i did not see that dude people are like losing their mind over it on social media because first of all having a pitch so grayson if you don't know a quality plate appearance is anything over five pitches yeah he ran the count up yeah worked a 14 pitch at bat and then the he ends up drawing a walk and as the ball is crossing the plate he bat flips and fucking screams at the top of his lungs and like yeah, and it's dead silent because, like, we have a hard time selling out the trop. We need to move to Tampa. But you, you just, like, not – like, you hear it throughout, like, so crystal clear through the mic because there's, like, 14 fans. Like, <laughs> it was packed today. It was, like – it was actually rocking for a Thursday afternoon. Um, 
No, the game's like, been the games have been cool, bro. Some of my friends from FAU just moved down the street. So after my fight, I'm trying to go to Hella Games because they're so cheap too. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Just text me. <laughs> let me let me know when you want to come. We're trying to fill up the stands. Oh <laughs> yeah, gotcha. dude. But hey, I gotta actually get going here. So Sam, uh, Zach had this idea. Um, who would you say? I would you say in order, Zach, or not in order? No, not in order. Just your no, top... no order. Your top five all time race players. Oh, top top all time. Well, Evan Longoria has to make a list. Um. David Price is on that list. Um, he was so nasty when he was with the race. Top five all time. Yeah, like some moments, some like I want to put Dan Johnson and Brett Phillips in there just for their moments. Like they're their moments. They they were Damn. horrible. Dude, Johnson but, has Johnson's a name I've heard so like I thought my names were gonna be out of the blue, but these are kind of crazy. I mean, all you right. don't remember he he tied it up. Um yeah, uh, game one sixty two. Um, Carl Crawford, BJ yeah, Upton. Say, yeah, yeah, I was about to say. Um, some of like some of those guys, but yeah, oof, like man. Chris Archer too. Chris Archer, yeah, that was that was a fun one with uh, the trade to the Pirates. We got a lot of good players back from that one. All right, um, so big five, big five. Evan Longoria, David Price, uh, um, I always. I always loved BJ Upton, like with his flashiness out in the outfield, um, some of the catches that he was able to make. I'll put him in my list. Um, Carlos Pena is up yeah, there too. I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, Carlos Pena in there. Yeah. Uh, then one more. Um, oof. There's so many just like fringe guys. Like I know I'm looking through had, like, right now. There's guys I forgot about. I'm like, fuck. There's so many guys that like you're gonna say, and I'm like, oh man, like I definitely should have put him in my list. Um, I'm gonna just throw in um man. Jason Barlett, Akinori, when we're up the middle. You no did, you, bro, you just took my top two right there. I was literally <laughs> saving, I was literally saving Akinori Uomora. I was saving um Bartlett, dude. I was saying, I was gonna say Rocco Baldelli. And Rocco Baldelli like, too. Oh yeah. shit, I forgot about him, dude. Wade Davis when he was there. Gabe Kapler, like I, I, I literally Garza. James Shields, dude. Matt James Garza. Shields. dude. Matt Garza threw a what was it? A perfect game on my brother's birthday. That's the only reason I will forever remember <laughs> remember him. Yeah, yeah that's the only reason I'll ever remember. He did no hitter against a tie. Right, here's here's yeah. some of the names of the big ones: Evan Longoria, Carl Crawford, Carlos Pena, Ben Zobrist, ben James Zobrist. Shields, David Price, B.J. Upton, Kevin Kiermaier. Fuck out of here. Scott Kazmir, <laughs> Aubrey Huff, Julio Lugo, Desmond Jennings, Matt Joyce, Alex Cobb, Archer, Fred McGriff, Blake Snell, Jason Bartlett, Rocco Badelli. Yeah, Rocco Badelli was a dog. Wade Boggs, Matt Garza, Logan Forsey. I don't know how to say that. Forsyth, Logan Forsyth. All right, also, how do you not put Fred McGriff in there? He's going to be the first Ray in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, Fred McGriff is in here. Yeah, he is. Okay, in okay. There. Yeah, we, like, skipped over him because I made that comment about uh, Wade Boggs. I only like, The only reason I remember Wade Boggs as a Ray is because he was a Red Sox first, and every time I play MLB The Show, I always pull, it, pull his card. Like, he just always ends up on my team for some reason, so I'm like, oh, Wade Boggs. Remember that guy. And then – I feel like I just like Gabe Kapler just because he's the manager now. And like was was such like a mid major league player, like 
very forgettable guy. And then just like went on to be like a manager for some reason, which like, Hey, all the power to you, but just so you ever great. heard the story of Wade Boggs, like drinking like 60 beers on a like cross country flight. One of the yes. race flights. Yeah. Sunny Philadelphia did a thing on that. Yeah. I don't know how many it was. They can't get like a confirmed number, but I heard it was a lot. And then he threw a fucking great game or something. Right. No, no, no. He's a third baseman. Yeah. Oh, he hit. I don't know. Like, who, who's the guy that ate acid through a freaking. So number? funny, funny about that. Pretty sure it was um, Doc Gooden you're referring to. Um, my high school baseball coach, who was an assistant, was on. He's on a documentary on Netflix. He's a part of the documentary and he talks about Doc Gooden throwing on acid against him. And it was so funny because. Was, was that Doc Gooden or was that one of like the Pirate Scouts? Oh, I gotta, I gotta look it up. My, Doc you, was, talk, you know what I'm talking about, though, right? Doc yeah, Gooden, I know exactly who you're talking Doc about. Doc Gooden was the guy who was on acid, but my coach played for the Pirates and had, like, multiple-time All-Star, like... Doc Ellis. Doc Ellis, Doc sorry. Doc Ellis. Yeah, not good. Yeah. Right. Why did I put good now? Nowhere, but... Dude, I remember was still, watching, I watched an interview with him. He's like, I couldn't see shit, so I just threw it, like, in a circle as fast as I could. And it was either, yeah. like, right down the middle or nowhere near it. Yeah. By the way... I will say this: Babe Ruth would never survive in this era, ever, ever. I anyone that ever tries to argue against it, I'm like, dude, this man showed up pissed drunk and smoked cigars. Ted Williams had sex with a prostitute in right field and hit 406. He sir, yeah. he left to go to the war. He left the MLB to serve in World War II. Came back. And still won multiple All Star awards, or still earned multiple All Star. So, was it really that hard? I feel like they were all just throwing like eighty five, and Babe Ruth was fat, so I can't give him credit. There's a rumor that I, I've been seeing some like conspiracies that Babe Ruth was black. <laughs> what? I'm being so serious that he was light skinned black. What? I saw a couple of TikTok conspiracies of people trying to say that he was black. Look, I've seen the Sandlot. I've seen the vision of Babe Ruth. He was not black. I'm just going to say that. I'm just saying that. All right, but hey, on a serious note, Sam, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for taking some time out of your day. Really appreciate it. Uh, hopefully we can, you know, do this again sometime, and hopefully the Rays keep kicking ass. You know, I think we're going to go 162-0, and so that would be pretty sick. That would be pretty cool. Thank you guys for having me on. Um, I really appreciate your time and uh, had a lot of fun talking baseball tonight. Oh, yeah. Zach Watts. Take it easy.